Ladies and gentlemen, get those dollars ready. Coming up next to the stage on the Other Ground Podcast, it's your host, Passive J and Ryan. Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of The Other Ground Live. Apparently we're kicking it old school style today. Um, Passive J, that's Big Dalton over there. Say hi, Ryan. It is June the 7th. It is a Sunday, and hopefully I do not sound like complete and utter, utter garbage at this point. No, you don't sound too bad at all. Actually, you sound pretty good. Um, I suspect I'm probably still louder than you, but as we mentioned, that's a function of the uh, blue stacks. but you sound way better than yesterday, yes. Yeah, apparently at some point, blue stacks just decided it was going to rebel against me. Uh, <laughs> so after a couple, a couple restarts, we're back to good. The problem Excellent. with restarting is I lose all of my samples. So, of course, I had the wrong version of our intro. <laughs> well, you know, there's an old saying, uh, shit happens. So I, I think we can go ahead and move on from that. <laughs> How'd your day go? Uh, you know, it was a day. I'm um, just kind of relaxed. I, I took a nap like <laughs> a fine gentleman would. Uh, <laughs> got caught up on the on the fights from last night. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a, a decent Sunday. How about Excellent. you there, Jay? Uh, not so decent. I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't a bad day at all, but I was at work all day. I got it, got up at the fucking crack of dawn to go check in people to make sure that they weren't sick. Um, which to me feels like kind of a waste of time, but they're paying me to do it. So, okay. And don't get me wrong. It's not that I think that, uh, checking people and making sure they're not sick is a waste of time. Uh, but we'll just say there, I've seen a, a lack of following of the rest of the rules necessary to make the complete package work. <laughs> So basically everything that you're doing is for show. Exactly. No, it's not supposed to be show. The management is completely serious about it. And, you know, obviously the last thing they want to do is get one of their old members uh, sick and kill them. Uh, It's just like, like with any other society, there are people that follow rules and there are people that don't follow rules. And so like, it's only two days, three days into my work season. I'm seeing people with their masks off, people with their masks pulled down, you know, um, and not just and not just the normal idiots that any work has, the people that should know better too. So, <clears throat> but uh, I the managers are quickly stomping that out though. So I don't think that'll last more than a day or two because uh, they're taking it pretty serious. But it just surprises me that after an hour long meeting and all the precautions that we're obviously taking and this that, and the other, people are still not taking it seriously. Yeah, they're probably the same people that don't wash their hands after they go take a piss. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so it was an interesting day, you know, check, we, they all come in, uh, I check their temperature. Uh, I tell them what it is. They write it down on the sheet of paper that they're, that they're filling out with the, where they're saying no to all the symptoms that they don't have and all that good stuff. Then they sign it on the bottom and leave it on the table. And then, um, the rest of my day was pretty much slower because once everyone was here in the morning, well, I was okay. And actually after a certain point, someone else comes in and starts doing it. Uh, so I only do it for like the, for the early shift people. Uh, at 8 a.m., uh, someone takes up resident, uh, residence on the porch, and they sit there all day checking anyone who comes in. in. Fuck that job. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, there's a couple teenagers, like, you know, early 20s kids. Uh, one of them is normally working in the locker room, I think, or, or, and helps and helps out in housekeeping. And the other one, I think, is a uh, works in the uh, um, pro shop normally, but, like, pretty uh, low down on the chain. Uh, so I imagine they're, they're uh, yes, glad. The, the vaunted early 20 year old teenagers. Yeah. You know, I, well, they're teenagers somewhere between 18 and 22. I don't know how these kids, how old these kids are. So, you know, 
and it's hard for me to judge being an old man. Uh, but yeah, I did say, man, you've got an even more boring job than I do. And I didn't think that was possible. Oh, look at you being extroverted and making friends. <laughs> I'm actually pretty, uh, uh, outgoing, uh, at least on short term around the country club. I'm very comfortable there. I've been there 15 years. It feels like home to me. Uh, and the entire staff with the exception of like these temp semi temporary people, which is why I call like the, you know, the, the young adults that work in the pro shop or, um, like in the uh, family rec center when it's open. Uh, other than that, we have really, really long, uh, longevity for, our, uh, fellow, my fellow employees. Um, they were, they said on March 31st, uh, excuse me, March 16th, when we were first uh, supposed to get back, we had 100% uh, return of all the, uh, clubhouse employees. Well, once you start working for the mob, it's not like <clears throat> exactly something you can just walk away from Jay. Yeah. I don't think anybody's yeah. surprised here. <laughs> and it is, I mean, it is the sort of place people stick around the, the pro, uh, the head pro started there when he was 13 as a caddy. Uh, the, uh, tennis pro has been working there like fucking forever, like 30, 40 years. Um, <laughs> you know, that's people just stay there. Uh, it's a, it's a good place to work, uh, for the most part. God, I got a lot of ums in me today, don't I? So, but anyways, yeah, let's talk about topics um, before I start to wander off yeah. too much. <laughs> oh, we got a couple things to talk about today. Uh, first is the obvious, uh, Mr. Connor McGregor announced his retirement for the third time in four years. Yeah, nobody believes anything coming from him. The fact mm -hmm. is, like, nobody's going to dump a Brinks truck in front of him right now. He can't handpick an easy fight. Like, I mean, there's not really room for him to come back right now anyway. Right, right. And uh, <clears throat> realistically speaking, while Dana Dana's a pretty good businessman, and while obviously there's still a lot of value in McGregor, uh, the shine's off the apple a little bit. It's not, he's he, he doesn't have the... Uh, um, bargaining power he would have had like three or four years ago, obviously. Well, no, he was still saying like the winner of uh, Gaethje and Habib would probably be McGregor, which makes no fucking sense. It's still the UFC just latching on to McNuggets nuts, but you right. know, yeah. whatever. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I've been, I've never been a huge fan of that guy anyways. Uh, he was fun to watch him fight. Don't get me wrong. I can separate the person from the fighter and he was fun to watch fight. But his personality was so grating on me from the very start. I don't like that entire uh, showman, you know, be a dickhead and as part of the show sort of thing. We've had that conversation before about, you know, people who pretend to be assholes uh, to, to the public for, as their public persona uh, to try to make themselves more popular. And I've said, hey, if you're going to pretend to be an asshole, I'm going to pretend to not like you. Well, the thing is, though, right? Like, so we, we know this is a thing with McGregor. But he does fucking pack in the fans. So yes, he does. If if we were at a place where you could pack an arena, like he would have a fight scheduled. Really, you think the was it somewhere between two and seven million? I think uh, it might not even be that much. I think between two to five million is the average gate, isn't it? Yeah, but if you if you're pulling in zero as opposed to a five million dollar gate, and you have to pay him say i mean obviously he gets a, a cut of pay-per-view and things like that so let's just let's even say on the high end you're paying him five million dollars getting five million dollars less on the event and still having to pay him that much hmm. like this doesn't make a lot of sense right right i sure i'm sure it's not a huge factor in dana's mind because you know of all in the grand scheme of how much money he makes off of mcgregor but i'm sure it's a huge it is a big part of it yeah um 
Because he's made well, comments was, about that. If them. I was in the management there, like I would be saying, no, like right now, until we get to the point that we could actually have fans again, like, no, I'm not going to book anything for McGregor. Right. Well, Dana has said he didn't give a shit about the live gate, uh, but obviously that's just Dana being Dana, uh, who, you know, I don't care how big your company is. You don't want to lose. And because sometimes they have multiple events and, you know, in the single week, you don't want to, you don't want to lose what two to $10 million a week, depending on how many events you're running and how big they are. Well, let's put it this way. So Dana White doesn't give a shit about the live gate when it comes to making his commitment to ESPN. Right. Like $600 million. Right. Right. Yeah. That's very true. Now, when you're breaking down the dollars and cents of a card and the, the factor of you're missing out anywhere between, let's just say one to $5 million in a gate, like you have to look at the fighters you're booking. And that's another thing that we're seeing with a lot of these cards that, traditionally would not even be a pay-per-view right right exactly and we're also seeing a lot more fighters more often the fighters that you normally only see a couple times a year because they're not big enough to get get as many fights as they want they're that's where they are in their career and they're not even at the point where they're worried about being ranked or you know challenging for the belt they're at the point where they just want more fights because you know until you're at least a name it's i'm pretty sure it's hard to get more than perhaps two fights a year. I know I know he's made, uh, Dana's made comments about, you know, uh, these guys have uh, three fights a year guaranteed to them. But I bet you that's not the entire UFC roster because we certainly see people that don't fight more than once or twice a year. Yeah, nobody, I don't think anybody has a guarantee in their contract right now for right. three fights a year. Generally, well, I thought it's, I, a, it's a however many year deal for a certain number of fights. Like, yes, some of them may break down that way, but it's not like saying, hey, we're going to have a fight for you every three months or every four months. Like, they're not structured that way. I thought I read something. I thought I read read him saying that. He might have been speaking, and I can't remember where I saw it, so I can't even confirm it, but uh, he might have been speaking about a specific fighter's contract, though. Um, And it might not even be guaranteed three fights. They might only have to be offered three fights. If you turn down the fight, well, that's your problem. Right possibly something like that right right so like, regardless like if you look at the people yeah that are being booked right now like you could take say obviously nunez was making a decent amount of money but last night and i don't think they have the disclosed fighter pay yet but i bet if you took nunez garbrandt and sterling so like probably your top three payouts on the card mm-hmm. they're probably not making what mcgregor makes in one fight or John right, Jones right. makes in one fight, and it's right. like that's half your main event card. Right? Yeah, exactly. Heck, there's with as much as McGregor probably gets paid, he he might make more than that, that entire card off of a fight. <laughs> yeah, that that's gonna be close, but yeah, like that's the thing. That's the reality right now. Like the expenses are viewed differently because the revenue is not the same, and it's not going to be the same until they get shit figured out. Now, once they go to Abu Dhabi and have fucking Fight Island, I'm sure everything's just going to topple on its fucking head because there's <laughs> going to be no laws there. But, you know, hey, we'll see. Yeah. And while we were speaking about this, we were talking about, uh, I'm going to fuck up his name, Mastival, uh, complaining about his contract and, and what he was getting paid. Uh, and we were saying, well, shit, you know, um, we talked about it quite a bit. I heard something today that changed my opinion on it a little bit apparently he had just signed a brand new seven fight contract yeah i heard that like i i guess i would kind of like i would want to see the actual economics of that thing 
because it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that if he just signed a new contract and the Diaz fight was the first fight on that contract, mm-hmm. why he would be making significantly less for fight two of the contract. Because that might have been specifically put in there. You know, the first fight, like the first that, fight is a, is a super fight with uh, you know uh, Nick with uh, Diaz, and then after that, he makes this much for each fight. After that, you know, here we're going to pay you two hundred thousand for the uh, super fight with Nate Diaz, and then a hundred thousand for every fight after that. And he was probably making he was like making fifty thousand before that. So at the time, he was like, "Oh, that's a great deal." But now that he's seeing everyone else complaining about you know pay and, and threatening to quit. He's thinking to himself, well, maybe I can rework that deal. I just got, I should get paid 200,000 every fight. You know, when he had already signed for specific reasons, that one, I mean, I might've yeah, been I would, not I would, clear in my, uh, I would actually have to see the thing. Like you never know. Like you have to take everything that Dana says with a grain of salt. Like, right. We, we, right. That's been proven over the years. Yeah, that's true. Um, and they're not the only ones doing it. What was the guy that fought last night? Was it O'Malley? Well, yeah, especially with him, though. Like, so he came in basically as a prospect. He's not, I don't even think he's technically ranked right now. So I can see him being like, hey, I think it's probably time to maybe, you know, rework a deal because it's still in both people's best interest at this point to rework his deal because you don't have to give him like main event money right now because he's still not there. Mm-hmm. But you still appease him by not giving him, you know, early prelim money because it's obvious he's more of a draw than that. Hmm. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because that was the only the other thing I was going to mention about him. There was an article saying that he should be main event for his next fight. Well, maybe main event on a fight like on a fight night or something like that. He's not a pay-per-view like main event draw. Right. So you think in his case, uh, since his uh, initial contract is so probably so low, comparatively speaking, he's uh, he might be able to get a a bump up on it uh, pretty easy after a fight like that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Like he he definitely has the the it factor and he hasn't disappointed in any of his fights. Could he be derailed? Absolutely. He hasn't fought like anyone in the top, you know, five slash ten really. Wineland was his best, you know right. best competition thus far. But I mean he was a champion, what, fifteen years ago at this point? Right. Was wasn't he in the WEC? Was I believe he that's was the first, first time I... WEC bantamweight champ, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I think so. I think that's the first time I remember seeing him, and that says so, fucking something. If you know, if the like, dude was fighting at the WEC, um, so he's yeah, when you're calling he's... somebody WEC champion, like at this point, <laughs> they're probably not title contenders anymore. No, no. So th- who knows what that kid's ceiling is? And I, I see where you're coming from. It just <clears throat> always just amazes me that. Uh, kind of that fighters can do that you know it's a contract you signed it you you you, you know uh like in any other aspect of the world you, you can't do that for contract <laughs> you know like i can't tell wells fargo who has the mortgage for my house that no 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 i don't want to pay that much money i think i should be paying half of that you know we need to renegotiate you know the rest of the world doesn't work like that athletics it absolutely does you have people that like uh you know hold out in football or like other other sports and it makes sense like the athlete has to have some leverage because these contracts are super one-sided like they can cut you for no reason at all at any time and you're not going to see a dime past what you've already gotten yeah i always thought that was bullshit too i I can't i was like wait a minute that's as you mentioned very one-sided um so now you have the athletes pushing back and be like well fuck that like we need to renegotiate otherwise i'm just not going to fight like there has to be some sort of back and forth there. 
Right, right, right. So yeah, I, I see that they do need to leverage, but I'm just, it just being not from a non-sports uh, environment, it just always surprised me when someone says, "Yeah, I want to renegotiate my contract." I'm like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. I guess I guess you can do that." Uh, let's see. Oh, you got anything else to say about the subject there, sir? Before we move on, about fighter pay and Conor McGregor? No. Yeah. Have you watched the fights from last night yet? No, I like I literally got home like you know uh, about an hour before the show started, and I ate and you know and changed and all that good stuff. Uh, so you know, I, I have not had time to watch anything. And that while I do have a lot of free time at work, that's not something I can really do. <laughs> is uh watch you know what i probably actually could have i hadn't i didn't think about it i i, I know there's a couple sites where uh after it's over it's not the full thing but you can like watch highlight clips and things like that Dan, stuff dana still doesn't like because he doesn't like you watching you see he doesn't like you seeing anything cool if you didn't pay money for it like have you ever noticed that the e- espn clips are fucking bullshit you know i i was scrolling through twitter uh and saw a couple espn headlines oh this ko was amazing and then you click on it and it's after the KO with the guy standing there over, him, you know, uh, and I was, you know, the uh, Gambrant uh, KO. I was like, well, I guess it was, but you didn't show it to me, motherfucker. Yeah, that was probably one of the top three knockouts I've ever seen. That, that I did see uh, that I saw the highlight for, um, man, he was so fucking quick. I don't really understand what happened. The, the guy like did a, uh, Asiago did it like a faint, like like he threw like he was gonna punch, but then stopped, and it looked like Cody fucking fell for it and you know, and ducked, and but then as soon as the guy started to swing at him while he while he was ducked down, Cody popped up faster, super duper fast, and just fucking cracked him. Is that what I actually saw? I don't know who this Ganbrandt and Asiago people are. Like, were you watching some cartoon, Jay? <laughs> you know what I mean. God damn it. You know I don't know how to say anyone's names. Garbrandt and a Sunsau. Oh, a Sunsau. Yeah, That's so a cool he, name. You saw you saw Garbrandt do the same thing with head movement at the end of the first round. <laughs> like he would kind of back up to the cage and let a Sunsau kind of lunge in and kind of do a little bit of head hunting there. So like he perfectly baited him into that and just threw that fucking right hook from like his knee. It just damn near killed a guy. Yeah, that was, I mean, he was so fast too, but that's what surprised me. I was like, wait, it looked like Cody, uh, Gambrandt is it? His first name is Cody. Now you have me questioning everything. Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt. Well, Cody did, it did totally look like Cody, you know, fell for it, you know, ducked uh, under a punch that the other guy didn't throw. Um, that part was right. That is what I saw. Correct. Uh, although, but he, or uh, from what you're saying, he only faked falling for it. Yeah, so he just he used that bait, that head movement to bait him in, so a sun sow would be trying to kind of head hunt where he thought Garbrandt was going to be. Right, right. And he just instead of moving the way he did in that first round, he just popped right up with that right hook and just, yeah, he turned the fucking lights out. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen a like a dodge like that that often. Mo- normally they dodge from one side to the other. He like ducked almost straight forward or crouched down almost. It was, uh, and, and he, when he came up, it was halfway a hukukin. <laughs> Garbrandt was doing some super interesting things in that fight with his striking. So uh, again, you haven't watched the entire fight, but he was no, also doing some interesting level change into a like calf kick. So he was throwing his leg kicks like he would 
he would almost go down to like pivot into a shot, like almost like a wrestling kind of duck walk, but he would be, he would drop down and throw the leg kick at the same time. So he was almost like on the mat as he was throwing it. Hmm. I've never seen someone do it that way, but he connected literally every time he did that. Right. Cause the other dude had no clue what the fuck he was doing. So, you know, uh, if you don't know what's actually happening, it's kind of hard to defend against it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch that fight. Uh, there is obviously a couple other things. I was half right about the title fight. I told you it was going to go five rounds. That was about the only thing I got right, though. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, so uh, Homelander and uh, Stray, good points. Garbrandt is definitely aging very rapidly, and the only reason he looks like he's aging very rapidly is he's starting to lose his hair, and he seems like <laughs> he's going to try as hard as he can to mask that fact. Uh... Yeah, just you just shave it off. You're an MMA fighter, you know. It's not like anyone's gonna uh, not appreciate the look, right? Yeah, he's definitely got the male pattern baldness thing going. You can tell because you can just see how he like grew out a lot of his hair, so he could kind of slick it back a little bit. It's just come on, Cody. <laughs> got a little bit of self awareness goes a long way. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> at some point you just got to give in. But yeah, well, so to the uh, the main event, mm-hmm. Nunez Spencer that shouldn't have gone five rounds. Well, this was hey. another time that the goddamn cornerman should have stopped that fight after the fourth round. Yeah, um, I, I didn't watch the fight, uh, and normally in that case, uh, I assume that they were hoping for the hail mary shot and then wrestling uh, uh, into some sort of amazing fucking submission or something like that. Because obviously she wasn't going to beat her on the feet. Um, but if they were watching the, the same fight, like, no, that was never even going to be an option in that fight. Like, it was perfectly clear that Nunez was going to steamroll that entire fight. Uh, I like saw, that, the I, corner just needs to be more aware. Yeah, I saw one comment that uh, Nunez won the fight without. Uh, well, oh God, I can't talk today. Uh, Nunez won the fight without ever getting out of second gear. No, she didn't have to. Like, she was that far ahead. Like, Felicia Spencer is just, she's a tough girl and all, but she's like, number one, she shouldn't be fighting 145. Oh, like, too she's small. a soft, no, she's a soft 145. So, like, I think that's part of what let her take as much beating as she did, is she's kind of soft. But, Got yeah, su- super tough, very strong-willed, you can give her that, but, like, Nunes didn't even do that much in the fight. Like, she threw some leg kicks here and there. She kind of abandoned that after a while, which is funny because she probably could have stopped the fight with those. She wasn't really throwing much beyond, like, a two-strike combination. She would just come in there and just left, right, back out, left, right, back out. And it was always just that left jab and kind of an overhand right or a hook. That's all she did the entire fight and just kept connecting with it. Had easy takedown defense. When she wanted to take Spencer down, she did, and then just backed up. Like it was two completely different levels of fighter out there. Mm. It looked like a sparring match. Now I often wonder that about uh, leg kicks, uh, since I've never actually leg kicked anyone. I'm not sure if I could rotate my foot in that and leg in that kind of direction to do it. Um, but it looks like it hurt your foot quite a bit. That's really not that bad, Jay. No, but I this to... is this is one of the interesting things is we're starting to see more and more people really lean into the calf kick as opposed to a standard leg kick where you're 
kind of catching kind of the thigh area or like right almost knee level. Hey, people are really starting to dig in those calf kicks. And there was another stoppage last night on calf kicks. And that's two fight. That's yeah. That's two fights in a row that we've seen that. That was like never a thing. Whatever happened to the inside leg kick for a while, that was a thing. And I don't really see people go for that anymore. People still do that, Jay. Like, really? I just, I just, no, fights. Oh, in the, in the fights that we were just watching, I, I just uh, don't remember. It always seems like it's on the outside lately. I guess I don't watch a lot of fights. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely still there. Like, pay, pay more attention to the fighting and not the person getting a little bit of gray hair, Jay. <laughs> uh, any? Did you notice any other highlights about the fights you want to talk about? So we kind of talked about Sean O'Malley. He looked fucking great. His knockout of Wineland, like that would have been the absolute knockout like of the month in any other time. But obviously Garbrandt killed a guy. So there's, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no Aljamain Sterling looked like a fucking monster. That's cool. I like, always like that dude. He just absolutely steamrolled Sandhagen. Like, I don't know what they're going to do at Bantamweight, but like they went from having no champ and kind of just this weird, this weird situation to having Garbrandt looking like a killer again, Sterling looking like a complete badass. You still got uh, Morais out there as the number one ranked guy. And then you have the champ fight scheduled between uh, Jan and Aldo. It's like they have like five, six guys in the hunt. Whereas before this weekend, like no one was really even talking about it that deep. Well, yeah, it is pretty crazy how uh, fast the title situation can change like that. Um, I still think uh, Triple C was posturing for a renegoti- renegotiation, though. Yeah, he wants more money, too. Right. <laughs> Boy, they all have such poor timing. It's like they don't realize what's going on and don't understand the MMA math. <laughs> well, uh, Masvidal also took the, the right way of going about it by talking about like revenue split and how terrible the UFC is versus like any other like big time sport. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I saw the article where he was talking about percentages and you know, how much the NBA and NFL get as a percentage split as opposed to UFC. Yeah. 18% versus generally right at 50. Like some sports are at like 49, but come on, it's a percent. Yes, I know a percent of multi-billions of dollars is still a lot of money, but the difference between 18 and, you know, 49, 50%, that's pretty fucking large. That is true. So what else well, you got, it, Jay? I think I'm, I think I'm good from the, from a fight perspective now. All right. Oh, let's see. Um, do, do, do. Uh, did you notice, uh, did you see that the uh, LA is defunding their police department by $150 million? Ah, uh, yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what to say you go, about you go first, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it depends. Like, there are probably a lot of, you know, divisions out there where they're super overfunded and there's a lot of fat to be trimmed. Like I, I guarantee that is a thing. And then there are the air, the areas that are underfunded that actually probably need to be looked at further and increase their budgets. Like doing this is just a blind reaction to the issues that we're facing right now is stupid. 
Yeah. Like the things that they should be looking at is actual like fundamental change and like police procedures and training and shit like that. Like, uh, what was it? Minneapolis is banned. I think all chokeholds. So like part of that, I agree with, like, I don't want people that don't understand how to choke someone to be choking someone. That's, that's understandable. That's a reasonable point to make. I think like, if you can't demonstrate that you have like even a blue belt understanding from a jujitsu perspective of how to choke someone and how to know when you've taken that hold far enough, like you probably shouldn't be using it. And I'm sorry, a lot of police officers out there are, are walked through a lot of this training and they are, they don't even have a white belt understanding of how the body works. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. that that's a fair point. Um, I was concerned when, you know, when you say, yeah, oh, they can't use uh, chokeholds. I was like, well, I assume they were taught them for, you know, to can help control people and to, uh, so that they would not have to use more lethal means. Um, so that's why initially when, you know, you said, oh yeah, it's a good idea to ban those. I was like, well, don't they need them in certain situations uh, so that they don't have to hurt the people more? But you make a really good point about if they don't have a basic understanding of the body and how chokeholds work, uh, they might there's that that removes the idea of that you're using it so you don't have to hurt them more. Well, yeah, it's the idea of like in a lot of jujitsu tournaments, you have your white and blue belt divisions that can't use leg locks. Oh, because it's a complicated. Because, uh, well, yeah, they don't know. Like a lot of time, the person that gets caught in it doesn't know in time to avoid damage. But you're kind of saving them from themselves. Like once you get to the point that you understand how these things work then more power to you as far as using them. But I kind of see this overall with a lot of things. Mm. Like, I guess this is where, this is where people will call me a super fucking liberal, but I think the same thing applies to firearms. Like, I don't like the idea of people having firearms out there that don't know how to use them competently. So you're not against people having guns, you, but you think that uh, more training should be required to uh, own them. Absolutely. I think something commensurate with just like a simple firearms course, generally what they make you do to go get your CCW, like why should you not have to be able to demonstrate that you know how to use a weapon before we say, Hey, here's your weapon. That's interesting. Uh, that, Cause that you say that, cause I had to take a two week uh, hunting course when I was like 12 before I could go out and fire a bow and arrow at a deer. And uh, that seems like a less serious situation than firing guns at people. Well, yeah, to get your hunting license, generally there is some sort of, you know, education requirement to it. Like why we don't have something out there. And the way I look at it, it should be something that applies to all 50 states and it should not be very restrictive. So it shouldn't be anything crazy like you have to go through in like New York or California around guns. Like it should be something very basic, showing that you understand how weapons work, how to take care of them. And then you're good. And then I think everyone should have concealed carry. Like that should be just a nationwide thing. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite authors, Robert A. Heinleins, has often said a armed society is a polite society. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> For the most part. If you know the other person has the means to kill you at any time, it does uh, slow your roll a little bit. You know, um, and at least that's what he thought. He was a very firm believer in gun rights and owning a gun, but he, he thought it was, should be practically mandatory. 
Yeah, like I'm I'm very much behind the Second Amendment. I it irritates the shit out of me that there can basically be fifty different rules around gun ownership the way it is now. But like we also need a little bit more in the protection side than we have today as far as who's owning weapons and their competency of using those. But goddamn, Second Amendment, absolutely here to stay. We should we should probably do something with it as far as like strengthening it or whatever the fuck we're going to do, but it'll never happen because the far, far right are going to go slippery slope and blah, 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 blah. And then the far left is going to be, no, we want to take your guns. They're all fucking idiots. Right. Right. Yeah. Sly mentioned that though on the chat box that the NRA would be too scared to make any concession. Uh, they think, well, if they compromise at all, at all, they'll eventually lose everything. And if, you know, if, if that, that might be the case, if you comp- start compromising too much to the far left, that wants to get rid of everything. And so you're right. Both sides are too extreme and there, and there should be some middle ground. Uh, well, and that's and I, what I say there's just a, like, there's a simple answer there. It's okay. The NRA gets a win in the fact that everybody would have a standard CCW. That's not anything crazy where a state can basically make it to where no one has it. You also get the other side of, hey, the people that get guns have at least demonstrated they know how to safely use them. Like, it's a middle ground that is not taking away a bunch of rights from anyone. Right, right. Although I will be totally honest with you, sir. I don't think a course uh, on competency is going to change a damn thing about how people use guns or or, or their safety with them. Because uh, the people just, you know, like you said, it's, it can't be too complex. So people are just going to pay the bare uh, minimum of attention, sign a couple forms, and then go back to using guns like fucking idiots. Uh, but, but at least right, going through that course, it teaches you things that you need to fucking know. Like yeah. right now, you can go buy a gun. You don't really need to know anything how they fucking work. So when shit hits the fan and you have to use it, like you're liable to shoot yourself the fucking leg like an idiot. Okay, okay, I see. You're going for a slightly different purpose for all this than what I what I had assumed. Um, and yeah, in that case, you're totally right. I've got a shotgun I've never fired, and I don't really know how to use it. I've, <laughs> I mean, obviously I do, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't even want to take it to the gun range with, uh, without someone uh, that was more experienced of guns to make sure I didn't do, fuck something up. In an emergency, I understand how it works, and I will definitely use it. But other than that, I'd much rather have someone around me to explain explain it all the first time I use it. I've been trying to find a buddy, uh, anybody really, I wanted to go up to the gun range and try it out. Uh, and I do have one friend that I like to, but we just never have time to hook up and do it. So um, you're right. I, I would benefit greatly from a, a gun course. I'd feel a lot more comfortable trying that out solo in the, anyways. So Google one. Let's just go take an actual just... A, a basic gun course. It's not necessarily going to be with your shotgun, but like you're going to learn things that are going to apply to the weapon you have. Oh, I don't, don't get me wrong. I am very familiar with weapons. My stepdad was a crazy hunting freak. He owned over 40 guns. Um, yeah, I fired tons of guns. I just hadn't fired that one. And it's got a, like a, in addition to the safety, it's got this button thing for, uh, uh, unlocking the, um, I don't know what's called the thing. Uh, uh, just for the first time you don't need to fire it after that and i'm just unsure of the entire sequence of that particular thing i've watched a couple of youtube videos but i'd be more comfortable uh if, if i went to a gun court gun range and shot it a couple times before someone broke into the house <laughs> yeah jay make a male friend and have him take you to the uh the range 
all my tattoo artist buddies been uh, trying to uh, we've been trying to hook up uh, since I got the gun a couple of years ago. It's just both of us are busy as fuck, and you know how that shit goes. Yeah, life. Life is a sum bitch, isn't it? Isn't it though? <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is, uh, this the quarantine thing would have been the perfect time to uh, do that since we both have plenty of spare time. Since obviously as a tattoo artist, he hasn't been able to work. Um, but with the quarantine, all those places are closed, and we're not supposed to hang out together, anyways. <laughs> See, that's why you just need a friend. And this is the problem. I think you're probably a little too close to Detroit at this point. But all you need is a friend that has a few acres kind of out in a rural area. Just go out and do some shooting. Like, that's where I yeah. learned to shoot was at my grandparents. They had a farm. Like, we had areas that we could set up targets. And, like, that's where I learned to shoot. That's where, like, my grandfather and my stepdad, even though he was a piece of shit, still taught me, like, how to maintain a gun, how to, how to clean your rifle, like proper safety, like all of those things. Like I knew before I was like 10 years old. Right. And I did learn some of those things as my stepdad was a big hunter and gun person, but I learned most of it secondhand because he didn't really have any interest in showing us shit. Uh, he basically, we got a hunting license because he was forced into it because, you know, mom wanted him to do stuff with us. So he took us up, up uh, deer hunting once that was a fucking disaster. Um, but uh, I, but being around guns and stuff like that my entire life, I I understand them and all that good stuff. I'm not afraid of shooting myself in the foot. I have a very healthy respect for them. Um, well, but you have some giant fucking feet, probably. So you yeah, have to watch out. yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, um, not that I haven't seen him do stuff, stupid stuff of guns, uh, mostly because he drank a lot. <laughs> that's always a fun thing. Uh, but that's a story for a different day, I think. Let's see what else we got today. I'm, I keep on looking at my note that says LA fund defunding uh, pl uh, police department by $150 million. And it keeps on fucking boggling my mind over and over again. I yeah, don't, it, it is what it is. Like, so, it, so let's, let's actually talk about like the protests and shit. Okay. Have you noticed? It seems like everything is a hundred percent more peaceful as we've had less like military presence. And we've had more of, like police departments out there not in riot gear. Like, have you um, noticed that? That it seems like everything seems a lot more peaceful. Like this weekend, when we saw saw less like adversarial looks from both sides. And I think that's at least partially true. Uh, I think. <clears throat> let me see how I want to phrase this. A lot of the looting that went on, uh, like in the violence that went on the first weekend, part of it was people being greedy and wanting to steal stuff. Part of it were people that were fucking mad as fucking can be. You know, there's mostly the people that are burning stuff and breaking stuff as opposed to people stealing stuff. Uh, and they're not any less mad now, but when you get mad about something, you get all worked up and crazy and shit. Uh, then after that, after you cool down, you might still be mad, but you're not, you're a lot less likely to do that stupid, crazy shit. And I think your point is valid because I think part of the reason they are able to cool down is the object of their anger and more examples of uh, objects of their anger, like the, as you mentioned, like riot police beating people up and shit like that. Since those uh, images went away over the course of a week, it allowed them to cool down and, and stop being so fucking crazy and stupid. Yeah. Like look at DC, like they had their largest protests this weekend and virtually nothing as far as like riots and violence and like large scale arrests and shit like that. Like, 
You didn't hear anything this weekend. No, I will say that I have been trying to avoid those articles. Like I see the headlines. So uh, obviously I know some of them, but, uh, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, uh, I haven't seen as much of that stuff. I hope that that means there isn't, you know, that it's gone down a lot less and just not, it's being, not that it's being reported less. Uh, but yeah, it's a good thing. And hopefully next weekend's a little bit better. And next weekend's a little bit better. Um, I do worry about the, all these protests, uh, spreading the coronavirus because either they were, they were lying to us the entire time about the coronavirus or those protests are a really, really bad idea on a health level. Oh, they're Petri dishes. You're seeing spikes in some States already. Like, I don't know how big they're going to be over the coming, you know, week and a half, two weeks is like, it hits the, it's the sweet spot as far as all of those things being reported, I guess we'll see, but yeah, it is what it is, I guess, at this point. Well, and yeah, you know, that just that just annoys me. Uh, one of those protests happened. I want to say one, two, three, four, about six, seven miles from my house, uh, right in front of like the fancy uh, mall in my area, where they all they blocked the road and all that good stuff, and sat there and protested. And the police sat down and kneeled with them, and you know they all shook hands and stuff. And I was thinking, get the fuck out of the road! I can't, I can't stand that style of protesting. Don't block the road, you know. So, I mean, and I guess it, I'm sure they'd say, and it did seem like a one, a very well, well, uh, organized and peaceful protest. So I'm assuming that like if an ambulance came roaring up, if it's a lights going, they'd get out the fucking way. Uh, but still, I don't think they have the right to block people that are just trying to go about their business. Well, a lot of them are just, it's the sheer volume of people. Where are you going to put them? No, it was intentional. Like, They're sitting in the middle of the road, like literally well, sitting just... in the middle of the road that, that, you know. Well, uh, that's where and, they decided to congregate. Like, as long as there wasn't stories of like people getting their like cars vandalized or like emergency vehicles not able to go places, like no harm, no foul at that point. But yes, if there were stories like there were during the whole stay at home protests of them blocking off hospitals, like then it's fucked up. Right. And, and see, there's one of the few points where I'm going to disagree with you. I don't. Uh, I think that they don't have the right to stop people from driving down the road. Um, and I also think it hurts their cause when they do so, because they take people that are on their side for the most part and make them angry about what they're doing. So I don't think they're, I think they do the, do themselves a grave disservice when they do that. And of course they occasionally take the chance of getting run the fuck over. Cause you see these crazy assholes that decide that, no, you're not going to block my way. Uh, so I just think it's a really poor tactic as far as protesting goes. So I can agree and disagree of just the fact that part of what protesting is, is making an impact. So there is the thought of if a bunch of people protest in a park and they're the only ones there, did it accomplish anything? Hmm, right. And I can understand that. But in this, in this day and age of social media, um, I don't think you need that to, um, to get the attention that you, that your protest, uh, needs, obviously, um, you could protest almost anywhere. And if you bring a large enough group of people together, then it's going to get uh, media notice. But I understand why, what you're saying, then that's the, the thought process that they're using, uh, that they need to get people's attention in whatever means necessary to highlight the, the reason for the protest. Um, like I'm just not said, I, like when you saw all those armed cosplaying beard necks in the Michigan state house, like, you can also say that's probably not a very good idea. 
I 100% said that. I think that's a horror. I, I was amazed that they were allowed that. I mean, now the state, uh, I've heard the uh, rumor that there might pass a law that uh, not allow weapons in the state capital. I'm like, the heck is that not a fucking law already? Just no one ever right. thought and of that. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I'm not, nece- I'm not necessarily saying I, I, complete with, I completely agree with any of these tactics. But if you had a bunch of armed morons, again, in a park with nobody there, it wouldn't have gotten nearly the headlines or got, you know, the reaction that they wanted. Right, right, right. So, like, that's and, why people do these things. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's, uh, I understand the logic behind it. I'm just, I just don't agree with a lot of it. Oh, uh, let's see. I do have something non-protest uh, uh, to talk about. All right, go. All right. Uh, do you order from Grubhub, sir? No, I, not Grubhub. I'll do DoorDash now and then. Okay, it's the same thing. Here and there, it's the same idea. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, The reason I ask that is I found my the best thing about Grubhub and all these other delivery services is they allow me to have food in areas that I won't drive to to eat. Um, I haven't been able to order anything lately because of uh, my uh, new diet restrictions. But before that, that was one of my favorite things to do: is order food from the ghetto. Um, cause there are some amazing places and shitty neighborhoods that I won't drive to. Uh, do you have any experience with this? No, because I kind of live in an area where there's not really any shitty areas. Uh, right, right. I live in a very affluent area, but, uh, but two cities over, you know, I live basically on uh, the, the border of Rochester Hills and Auburn Hills, all the way on the other side of Auburn Hills, which is also a nice city is a place called Pontiac, which is not a nice city at all. Um, oh, we got grad one calling it. I, and, uh, uh, I often order stuff from there because they because there is some great food in the ghetto. Uh, let me tell you for one thing, deep fried lobster tails is one of the most amazing thing I've ever had. Um, but yeah, you've talked th- about that, and we've we've discussed yeah. the fact that they're not actually lobster tails. Uh, <laughs> but the problem being the since most uh, Grubhub drivers won't go there. All the Grubhub drivers I, I get are also from the ghetto. So like I'll watch them pick up my food, then go stop in a residential neighborhood for like 15 or 20 minutes and then, and then come and get my food. I'm like, man, are you smoking crack where you're supposed to be delivering my food? And I don't know what they're doing or any of that shit, but I have noticed that almost every time I get a delivery from the ghetto, uh, it's poor, poor, poor. Oh! God damn, pal. <laughs> that wasn't me, dude. <laughs> I know. Hey, listen. Okay. PJ, from the ghetto. What are you trying to refer to, dude? From the ghetto? Like an Elvis fucking song? In the you, ghetto. You, you understand what a ghetto is, right? <laughs> of course. I fucking know Elvis. Fucking Elvis, an amazing song. You want to hear something? You want to hear something interesting? Then not to interrupt you. You're not showing right. up on my. Uh, you're not showing up on my guests. Like it's an empty box there. <laughs> well, There's some okay. sort of weird thing going on where you've infiltrated our system or some shit like that. That's crazy. Yes, yes. The Canadians have fucking like Hillary have infiltrated. Boys, <laughs> first, hey, hey, hey. Oh, first off, boys, great weekend or what? How how? Hey, Ryan, Dalton, BJ. You know, other than you the whole good? fucking. Other than the whole loss of power yesterday, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yeah I worked all weekend, but that's I, that's my normal. Not I'm back to work. I work weekends. It was a pretty good one. I have no complaints. How about you, Canada? How'd your weekend go? Okay, well, first off, we got fucking tons of elephants in the room because it's tenor. I know tenor is fucking logged on. Tenor, can you call him, please? 
Uh, the reason why is because fucking all this horseshit, anti-cop horseshit. Do you guys want to discuss that or you just fucking Sunday fucking just relax? What do you guys want to do? I give a- roughly zero fucks. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, go for it, man. You know, you, you guys know I don't really do much of political stuff, so this will be mostly between you and Ryan, but go ahead, dude. It's your floor, sir. All right. So I, I think it's not my floor. The thing is I'm, I'm pretty pro-cop, pro-military, the whole works. I guess first question I can ask you guys, uh, the Breeze controversy versus the Callum Kaepernick controversy. What's your thoughts on their ideologies? They're fucking, because they're both quarterbacks, right? So first thoughts about until Tenor calls in, let's fucking let's get this fucking game going. Oh, well, yeah, Tenor's not going to call in. You can call in. Um, I, I think yeah, he's in duty. Talking, yeah, talking about the two, like, yeah, Breeze so, just right. needed to think about that answer before he gave it. I'm sorry, right. like, it's been very well documented that the people that were kneeling were not le- kneeling as any disrespect to the flag or the military. And like okay. Kaepernick was actually kind of sat down and told what would be acceptable because originally he was sitting during the anthem, and veterans went to him. Right. Like, no, right. that's fucking disrespectful. If you're going to do something, take a knee. And he did. Can I counter? Can I? Can I counter a little bit though? You you can so go fucking, ahead. Uh, like, no, can I, if you don't mind, please. No, go ahead. Okay. Okay, so fucking count, uh, Colin originally took the knee last year of San Francisco, right? Last year. Prior to that, he didn't do any of, any of that bullshit, right? Right? Do you not, do you potentially think that it was a media thing? Like, not media thing, but for, for like exposure, worst case scenario, he knows he's going to get cut or whatever. He did that because prior to that, he's an average quarterback. I, my personal take, above average, maybe. But fucking for him to do that shit, last year was contract that. Do you think it was uh, career-based, marketing-based for his fucking whatever? Or do you honestly believe that he believes that bullshit, that cops are fucking killing black people predominantly? So... Number one, I don't believe it's it's bullshit. Like, yes, the numbers don't completely support it, but if you are a black person in America, more than likely you're having the same viewpoint that Kaepernick had there and all of these people protesting have right now. So again, you can absolutely say it's bullshit, and by the numbers, it's not something that happens a ton, but it is something that is impacting that community and it is a hot bitten issue for that community. So them protesting it, I have no fucking problem with, especially taking a knee during a football game. I don't I don't have any problem with him taking a knee either. I think the I don't know what his reasons were, and Grad does have a, a valid uh, point about they might not have been what so pure as pure as uh, people think. But that's neither here nor there, really. Um, and it's interesting that you say that the numbers don't really support that because I saw some numbers that yes and no, and I can't remember the exact numbers. It's like they said, like last year, forty-five uh, white people were killed by a police people policemen and like fourteen black people, which makes it sound like obviously um, 
you know, the, the case of more black people being killed by white people is not true at all. But on the other hand, black people only make up 14% of our population. So if you do it by percentages, well, then all of a sudden, yeah, they are killed more often. Can I counter? If you guys Certainly, mind. sir. Oh, dude, every time. Guess, you don't even have to ask, dude. Just go ahead and count. No, there is, the reason why I have a Canadian look at outside looking at it, right? Granted, yes. Granted, yes, you're right, PJ. 13, 14%, right? Yeah, but something like that. Department of Justice uh, facts is that where do uh, violent crimes happen, right? Again, you get, you get, again, it's called weighted average. I'm an engineer myself. Weighted averages where things things happen in a certain area, right? Shit's gonna fucking get medieval. All works. In regards to the colon thing, and thing is, um, the colon was brought up in a very affluent area. You guys know colon's background, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So long story short, that um, he was brought up in a middle class area, the whole works, and um, for him, just a again to me, I'm just kind of mesmerized, uh, especially that what's that Betsy? Well, what's that Betsy flag you guys got over there? The Betsy uh, flag. Uh, I don't know. All right, long story short, I guess Nike wanted to come out with a new like uh, shoe, right? With a mm-hmm. Uh, a flag that a U- U.S. flag is over a hundred years old. This that and fucking Copernic. Oh, the Betsy Ross thing. Yes, yes. Okay, so it's all horseshit, man. I think uh, uh, you know what? I, I, as a Canadian, I love you guys. I love the Yanks. I think you guys live in the best country in the world. And uh, but thing is, at the same time, where Drew gets fucking shit on, shit on for something he didn't really say anything really bad. Like he did not say any anti-black shit. He's respecting the American flag, the military that works, whereas fucking Colin, I don't know. It just. So like, here's the I'm thing. I'm just throwing the fuck. And, and this is right. knowing a, a little bit deeper in kind of the, the whole. So a lot of this is situational. Number one, yeah. like, yes, like there's absolutely a reason that Colin and then a, a ton of other NFL players took a knee. And some still do to this day. There are still players that are kneeling during every anthem. You just don't hear as much about it anymore. So again, that community sees that there's an issue and it doesn't matter if you want to argue with them whether or not that is the issue that they should feel strongly about. They're feeling strongly about it. And in every one of those NFL locker rooms... Right, listen. Right, I apologize. Okay, what issue is it though? Is it police brutality or is it uh, police attacking minorities? Because if if that's... No, I apologize. Listen, if it's the latter... Then how come white supremacist cops are not taking Asians, Indians, and that? It, it, you know what I'm saying? I apologize. Go ahead. They see it as violence by the police against black people because, again, that's what they see. That is what they are reacting to. Now, a lot of them, okay. if you talk about the people that are protesting right now, they are also protesting violence against white people by the police. Um, I forget the name. God damn it. The white guy that cops did the exact same thing where they like had their knee in his neck for a long ass time and they were laughing about it and they got away scot-free um we, it was talked about it earlier on in the og I, fortunately the name slips me but the same people that are protesting right now are also protesting that so they're looking at police brutality as a whole now back to this breeze thing and the point that i'm making here is that every nfl locker room had that conversation within it of 
this is why we're kneeling. Like those teams are very close knit groups. And for Breeze to come out and have a question asked about the kneeling and, and equate it to disrespecting the flag. It shows that he wasn't listening to his teammates and his actual teammates came out and said, no, we told you what uh, the fuck we were kneeling for. Can like, I counter? That's where Ryan? it is. That, but this counter. is the point. Uh, Ryan, Brad. can I counter? Sure. All right. You think, okay, so for example, right? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many years uh, Breeze has uh, been in the NFL. Long time this time. He's interacting with blacks, whites, Samoans, the whole works, right? They're, they're brothers in arms, right? Right, number one. Number two, do you honestly fucking think he fucking doesn't know, like, you know, like black people, though? It's, it, it, he, I agree with the extent that you don't fucking piss in the fucking, especially you guys live in the best country world, I'm Canadian, and he, there's certain ways to fucking get things going across, but for him to say he disagrees with the whole fucking anti-fucking uh, flag, uh, disrespecting flags, this and that, Nothing wrong with that, man. You know? No, there's nothing wrong with that except for the fact that he mischaracterized what they're kneeling for. They're not disrespecting the flag. Like that's that's the thing. And that's what each of these locker rooms have said. And that's what his own teammates have said. That they had spoken to him and said, This is not anything about disrespecting the flag. And you know what happened right after that? Breeze came out and he apologized and he talked about, okay, I understand what this is actually for. And then he also went out and rebuked Trump and said, no, this is not why they're kneeling. It has nothing to do with disrespecting the flag. Well, I think it's, I think it's so, right. So, I apologize. So you, I'm cut it. I, I, go ahead. Before I even get there, I just want to say, like, so how can you respect what Breeze initially said, but now you're ignoring what his view has evolved to? Okay. Can I, Ryan, can I counter, please? Absolutely. That's, I asked you the question. Okay, thing is, you know what? The reason why he had to counter because uh, the whole uh, unfortunate incident with uh, the man that got killed, black man, got killed, George Floyd, right? Uh, he had to do that because he got pressure this night, right? And uh, again, it's really unfortunate. In certain countries, like for example, outside North America, right? You go to certain countries, you fucking piss in the flag, disrespect the flag. It's uh, tyranny, right? Not tyranny. What's it called? Uh, it's disrespecting fucking like, you know, something that you believe in. You believe in like, one country regardless of fucking hate, love, the, you know? And uh, I believe that. So to answer your question, I believe Breeze was pressured to do what he had to, what he to, to, to kind of counter what he said, right? But at the same time, though, initially, I don't think he said anything bad, negative, right? He's not talking to anti fucking. Blacks, anti this and that. He's an American. He believes in America, best country in the world. That fucking flag is fucking the best country in the world. And you motherfuckers as Canadian know that. You guys have fucking, you guys live in the best system right now, right? So. Yeah, and we so, do. Yeah, I'm not like, going to argue with that yet. It's, so, so again, just the, the actual, like the, the points here. Yes, there's nothing wrong to say I don't support anyone disrespecting the flag. But there is also the fact that these people that are kneeling are not disrespecting the flag. And that is not their intent whatsoever. And Breeze has come around on that point. And yes, you could say he was pressured into apologizing, but no one pressured him to proactively message Trump. Proactively. And saying, 
Proactively. Ryan, please. Proactively? So fucking yes. how to fucking Brett, stop cap- for a second. Stop. Proactively. One second. Go ahead, man. Yes. Let's talk. Yes. He proactively messaged Trump. It wasn't in reaction to his apology or anything like that. He made the statement towards Trump when Trump was saying that people kneeling is disrespecting the flag. And he says, no, no, it's not. He didn't have to do that. That was not something he was pressured into. The apology, you can say, yes, I totally agree that you could say people were pressuring him into that apology. Even some people in his own locker room. So, yes, they went to him and be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And he made the apology. He didn't have to do that either. You could say he was pressured, yes. But then to further go on days later to respond to Trump saying it's disrespecting the flag and saying, no, like, I've talked to these people. That's not what it's about. Like, th- he wasn't pressured into that. The thing is, okay, Ryan, uh, can I ask a question? How impoverished was Colin? How impoverished was him? If you, his background, obviously, because... You know what, to the extent that I don't want to go back and forth, but it's all horseshit, dude. It's all horseshit. Breeze gets shit on, right? Whereas fucking Colin that gets a fucking free pass, man. All right. And I'm talking in regards to fucking uh, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, to the extent that whereas I fucking Colin was gonna get cut anyways, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, he does the protest thing, right? And thing is, a, si- a silent, peaceful maybe. protest. Like, there's no, you don't have to. There are different situations here. Okay. Like, All righty. I'm going to call an audi- it's, audible here. It's about time to uh, end the show. Um, so, uh, you guys want to be, why don't you guys do like final comments back and forth? No, thing is, you know what? Listen, Ryan, Ryan, I see you're, you're, you're an intelligent guy. I fucking love to debate with you. And I fucking notice your, notice your post, no G in that. I kind of agree with you. Guys, God bless you guys. You guys have a great night, and we'll fucking talk tomorrow. Ryan, peace. We certainly will. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, you, Thank you for calling, Canada. Uh, Ryan, your final rebuttal? No, I I don't need one. Like, people see things differently. Like, I can just tell you, like, in NFL locker rooms, like, this has been a hot button thing. If anybody wants to hear, like, the inner workings of, like, how how the whole Colin Kaepernick and that season went as far as people kneeling and the reason behind it, uh, hop on YouTube and look for Pat McAfee's reaction to the Drew Brees thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want a very good, he gives a very good, like in depth, like he is in the NFL locker room when this shit's going on and talking about kind of the brotherhood there and how you have a much better appreciation for what these people are going through when you're in the trenches with them every day. Like you're dealing mm-hmm. with people that came from absolutely nothing you're dealing with other people that have had a silver spoon for their entire life. Like it's a microcosm of the country that just now they're all millionaires. Interesting. And if you want to know about the inner workings of my stomach and intestines, I'll be publishing my colonostomy results later on today. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, um, Jesus. No, actually I won't be. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, it's about time to, to wrap it up. As always, I want to thank the OG army for showing up. Well, we can't do the show without you. I want to thank uncle Canada uh, for calling in with his spirited debate. And as always, I want to thank my co-host Ryan, Ryan, you got anything? Yeah, as always, I got two things. Number one, Jay, immediately after this, before you go to bed at, you know, seven 30, like an old fucking man, <laughs> you need to hop on the YouTube's find highlights from last night. There were some pretty goddamn good fights. You really need to try to rewatch as much as possible um, of that Garbrandt fight. Like, pay attention to the end of the first round 
mm-hmm. and how interestingly it mimics the end of the fight. Um, you can also you watch your sure bet Felicia Spencer get absolutely <laughs> fucking wrecked. I still contend I was half right. She nobody thought that she would go the distance. I, I of course I th- said she'd win after going the distance, but I was half right. <laughs> yeah, really going out on right? the limb that a, a female fight's going to go the distance, Jack. <laughs> I think only roughly like ninety-seven percent of women's MMA fights go the distance. <laughs> we, we we won't go into that. What else you got? Number two, fuck all. Y'all. Everybody have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at 6. Screw you, hippie! <laughs>